Hello and welcome to another stood up edition of the Alabama Football Podcast interview edition. So <laughs> I think I've got a, a, a fledgling sort of niche market here in the in the podcast arena. Uh, schedule interviews uh, with with uh, with other teams. Uh, prep for uh, prep for it. Have a handful of uh, questions, hopefully good questions, and uh, hop on the line. And no one shows up. So I take that and I say, you know what? I'm just going to do a solo podcast and I'm going to ask the questions, uh, share what I was thinking, and uh, maybe even answer uh, some of the questions and uh, go from there. We did this for the SEC championship game when uh, when we had sort of a scheduling, last minute sort of scheduling conflict uh, with the Florida site. And uh, we have this again with Ohio State. No hard feelings. It's just the nature of it, and uh, it's the way it goes. Uh, what we're going to try to do is we're going to see if we can't reschedule and uh, get something out between now and the ball game. But uh, nonetheless, um, didn't want to lose the prep, didn't want to lose the questions, didn't want to lose sort of the thought process that uh, that I was carrying carrying through this. So let me run through these. Uh, I'll try to make this relatively quick, but um, just want to throw out uh, throw out some of the some of the content that we have here. And like I said, I spent spent a little time pulling it together, so didn't want it all to all to go down the drain. I know you guys uh, enjoy some of this stuff, so so uh, so kind of here we go. I was gonna you know a little bit of you know form and structure, right? Gonna start off uh, the I'm gonna say interview, but you know conversation. Gonna start off the conversation. Uh, it, with, with an, I think an appropriate, a fair, a deserved congratulations for Ohio State's, uh, really just dismantling of Clemson. Uh, that was an impressive, uh, performance. I, you say what you want to about the Big Ten, say what you want to about game count, say what you want to about whatever it is that you want to say, uh, between the chalk lines that night. That was an impressive performance, uh, by Ohio State. And so I wanted to ask that. I wanted to sort of spin that into a question, spin that into uh, some dialogue. Certainly some congratulations, uh, but some some dialogue as well. And so I was going to go down the path of, from the perspective of the Ohio State fan base, how would you characterize that game? Did that game play out exactly like you expected it? Was it a complete wild surprise? Uh, was there thoughts that Ohio State might lose the game? Was there relief? Hey, we think we can beat these guys. Uh, it's sort of a mountain crest opportunity. And so there's relief, uh, elation, but also just relief at, 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 at it happening. Or was this just an absolute revelation? We didn't expect this. We didn't know where this came from. We've never seen such a balanced, uh, performance. I think those are true statements for this year's Ohio State team. And so I just wanted to sort of get a range on a, on a continuum. What did, how, how did he sort of take the pulse of the Ohio State fan base? Uh, what were his uh, What were his thoughts? And so I thought that would uh, have been an interesting conversation. Um, you know, their performance level, Ohio State's performance level level was uh, I, I thought was very high, and it was a complete game in all phases: the passing game, the running game, uh, defense. Um, something that they've not yet done before this season. Uh, I was going to take that concept, the fact that they've really fired on all cylinders. Uh, and something that hasn't been seen this season. And I was going to spin that into uh, a conversation or, or questions around the shortened season. There's an inflection point where you haven't played enough games. And above that inflection point, the team has sort of matured uh, a little bit. There's still room for the conversation. Did they play enough to qualify 
for for the championships. And I wasn't going to go that that direction. Uh, I think they demonstrated that they can compete. Um, did they play enough games? I think that's a different conversation. I think they showed that that they, they competed. Had they played a couple of more games, uh, likely they would still be just as good. I know there's an attrition factor with injury, um, but let's face it, th- they look pretty good on the field. Can we agree with that? Um, the conversation that I wanted to have is around sort of the, the motive, the, the the maturation of the team. Uh, you know, at what level was there concern that, hey, we know we're really good, but this team isn't a fully baked product yet? Trey Sermon has really only just burst on the scene the last couple of games. Uh, the offensive line, the depth, and the rotation of the offensive line has progressed throughout the season. The defense, uh, we talk about the Alabama defense improving from the Ole Miss game, which was our game three for, for sort of a reference point. Their uh, game against uh, Indiana earlier in the season, they considered that uh, a, a sort of a failure or a flopping of their defense. And they've talked about, uh, I read a handful of articles and, and listened to a couple of podcasts for, for Ohio State. And so they were very much talking along the lines of our defense has improved. It's been a work in process. It has improved. And so their conversations have, have in some regards, sort of mirrored ours. And from an Alabama perspective, we're glad that we've had those extra games to really sort of entrench that this defense has some capability. They're not world beaters. Florida exposed uh, some things from, you know, from the defense you could loosely argue that Notre Dame did. I don't know that I buy that. Uh, but nonetheless, Al- the Alabama team has been a work in process. What week was it during the season uh, after Waddle went down and we were looking for an all- another offensive playmaker uh, to burst out? And and Jaleel Billingsley did. That was week seven or eight anyways. Uh, and then and not just game week, but calendar week. So I think we played six and then there was two weeks off, so that's eight. So it was game. It was week nine of the season uh, before Billingsley uh, really sort of burst in the season. And so you think about from an Ohio State perspective, I don't know that they've even played that many games. And so they, they do they have a gear that they just haven't had a chance to uh, to to mature into. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, we talk about defense improving. Uh, Sean Wade is one of their uh, top corners. Well, last year, he had relative success as a slot corner, and they moved him to the outside. And this season, he hasn't – I don't want to denigrate the guy, but he has not lived up to the expectation. He's not lived up to their standard, Ohio State standard, for an outside corner. They've had, I think, four of the last five draft uh, drafts. They've had uh, number uh, first-round picks uh, at the corner spot. And so is Sean Wade that caliber – uh, I was not in an attacking way, but I was going to get into that conversation. What was what was his thought there? Uh, and then I was going to go uh, offense and then defense and, and really talk about some individual players and just, you know, sort of collect his thoughts, have him elaborate on how these individual players uh, have performed. So I'll go through, through these pretty quick, sort of the thought process that I had and, and uh, you know, what we were going to try to tease out of that conversation. I was going to talk about Trey Sermon. He's a running back transfer from Oklahoma. Again, he has just made hay uh, the last three weeks, uh, over 300 yards, setting an Ohio State record against uh, Northwestern, and then right at 200. I think he had a buck 80 uh, against against Clemson. Uh, really, I was going to talk talk uh, about him 
as like an old school, um, I think at 30 carries against Clemson, 30 carries is a big number. And so that starts to look at like a, an old school feature back with the production, uh, the amount of carries, and then just the, the proportion, you think 30 carries, the proportion of the offense that they ran through uh, Trey Sermon, that is, that's something that didn't exist in, in sort of their uh, repertoire a couple of, uh, even just a few weeks ago, I don't think. And so I was going to sort of poke at that, uh, get, get some perspective there. The fact that he has emerged on the scene, uh, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad we've seen it. Right. And so the, the defense and the coaching staff can prepare for it, but it makes a harder preparation, right? Because they're balanced running and passing. And that's something that as Alabama fans, we take a lot of pride in too. Uh, if you go to stop the pass, Najee's going to beat you. If you go to stop the run, the passing game will beat you. And so they have that type of versatility. Uh, Ohio State does. Talk about uh, healthy across the offensive line. They have an All-America uh, guard that went out uh, against Clemson. He came back in. So I was going to see what relative health uh, concerns or thoughts they had there. Uh, also had a guard that stepped in, uh, uh, backup guard uh, the other side. I want to say left guard that uh, – uh, uh, Lost in my notes. Matthew Jones stepped in for Harry Miller. Uh, Harry Miller had a had a COVID uh, situation, so not an injury, but missed some time. And so, how, how were they relative to 100 uh, percent with their uh, top five or front five uh, across the offensive line? Wanted to talk about uh, Chris uh, uh, Alive, the uh, uh, the wide receiver, and so he missed the Northwestern game and. Uh, was back for the Clemson game, and it really seemed to open up their offense. I think if you had sort of an Olympic style or combine style uh, sort of uh, you know gauntlet test or uh, uh, athleticism test, I think that Garrett Wilson would probably win that over Chris Olave. But when you look at who is the receiver that sort of makes the offense go, it appears to be, and I'm looking at a limited sample size, it appears to be Olave. And that can be true for a couple of different reasons. Garrett's a freshman. Alave is, I, I, I think, a junior. And so he has more time in the system, more familiarity uh, and experience sort of running the, the college offense or running with a college offense. So I was going to have uh, Tim speak to that uh, a little bit. Uh, sort of, you know, what should we look for with these these two wide receiver weapons? What do they bring to the table that's a little bit different? Uh, and, and then just talk about Alave. And and maybe how he is a potential key to um, to the Ohio State offense. I, I think that uh, you know, and, and I would not have inserted this this thought in the conversation, but I do think that I, I like the Alabama cornerbacks. I really, really do. And so I think if we match them up one to one, maybe some safety high, uh, uh, maybe uh, dual high safeties. Uh, sort of over the top, so you can so you can work in some bracket, uh, and if we do that from a, from a nickel or dime, I think we can still have some guys in uh, in in the box. And so I kind of like what we can do there. I don't think we should do that all the time, uh, the Alabama defense, but I think that's something that that we can work in, especially on passing downs. Uh, let's take away some of these top uh, top receivers. They also have a senior uh, tight end uh, name escapes me. But uh, I, I think he's a potential weapon, and I, I think Tim would have brought him up, uh, spoke to him a, a, a little bit. And so we would have poked at you know the tight ends uh, historically sort of given us fits this season. 
I was going to kid that I buried the lead and I wanted to talk about Justin Fields uh, again, compliment just the gritty performance that he showed uh, the other night. Uh, I think he got a couple of uh, pain shots uh, with no diagnosis in the tent, went back out on the game. We can talk about that's a little sort of shady uh, uh, behavior uh, potentially. I don't know how we would think about that if that were our guy. Uh, but wanted to talk about, and, and I, I do think, and whatever we think about whoever they are, it was a pretty darn gritty performance that uh, Justin Fields demonstrated, uh, knowing that uh, he had in, in some way, you know, he was hit really hard. And so whether it's cracked or bruised or, or bumped ribs, he was in a lot of pain. And some of the passes that, that he unleashed down the field, um, given that injury, I just, that's just a hats off uh, performance. Uh, for the, for that young man. Uh, I, you know, I can speak sort of personally. I had, uh, this has been a handful of years ago, but, uh, I had a motorcycle accident once and, um, I think I bruised uh, a couple of ribs and it was the most painful thing I think I've ever experienced. Um, a sneeze was like a portal to hell, just the, the, the level of pain. And to think about, uh, all I wanted to do is just curl up and, and, and sleep for a couple of weeks. Uh, and to, to think that he's going to go back out there and sling the ball down the field and potentially get hit and, 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 uh, and whatnot. Maybe it's the adrenaline of the moment. Uh, but if that's how you feel on a day to day basis and you know, there's a game coming up in six, five, four, three, two days, what level of anxiety must you be feeling? And so I was going to sort of get into that conversation. I was going to ask what he's hearing, what's his expectation relative to uh, to health for Justin Fields. And again, not knocking Justin Fields that he's hurt, uh, not even suggesting that they're trying to delay the game to get him healthy, all that sort of banter that we're hearing. I just straight up respect the grit that the, that the kid demonstrated. And I know that if, if, reports are true or the speculation is true relative to the type of injury, uh, then I do think there's some anxiety that he might be feeling leading up to the game. And so, again, wanted to poke at that. I thought that was an interesting uh, sort of topic or concept. I was going to flip the field just like we do and talk secondary. Uh, again, I mentioned uh, Sean Wade again. I was, I was going to, and so I probably sort of, uh, you know, burn all my powder on that one uh, on that topic, but I was going to talk about, uh, Shane Wade, a slot corner, moved to the uh, outside. That he is a work. He appears to remain a work in progress, uh, and and so I wanted, and that's what I'm hearing from reports and 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 such. Um, you know, reading some articles. I haven't I haven't broke down the guy's tape. Don't get me wrong, but uh, that's that seems to be the narrative. And so I was going to have, uh, you know, Tim talked about that a little bit. I was going to have him rate. You know, where does he think Shane Wade, Sean Wade? stacks up with some of the other corners that have come through uh, Ohio State. Again, they've had some really good ones. And so the idea is, hey, how, how, how do you how do you rank them? And then and then and then I was going to ask more of a point blank question. You know, he's got a tall task on Monday stacked up against, you know, call it Smitty. What's your thought? on his, his, you know, relative level of, of readiness and, and what's your expectation on, on that type of thing is, is, uh, is Wade someone that, that Ohio state anticipates or that you think is, is a long-term uh, observer. Is he someone that can, uh, you think takes many one-on-one or is that going to sort of lean coverage 
what might that look look like? And so ho- hoping to get some sort of inside thought on, you know, are they going to run a lot of zone or a lot of man-to-man? Are they going to run a lot of double coverage? Are they going to run a lot? Not that I'm going to run the same and share all this stuff because, I, you know, it's just I, it's just some insight. How might we expect them? And then where might can we exploit that if, uh, if Waddle were to play Mechie, Jalil, and, of course, the running game? And again, I wasn't going to get into breaking it down and that they can't cover and all that stuff, but I wanted to get just pure, honest, straight up Ohio State uh, perspective on that. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll still be able to do that uh, because I would like to hear uh, uh, this fellow's perspective. Uh, he's a longtime uh, journalist with a newspaper in Columbus. Uh, followed, uh, he's been following. Uh, I listened to a couple of his podcasts, a couple of his interviews. He's been following the team since since the seventies, uh, since maybe maybe the eighties. But for just forever, he's been really really close in with um, with Ohio State and um, just really well connected. A couple of podcasts uh, he has a podcast, a couple uh, of interviews he's done with. Uh, listened to part of one with Orlando Pace. He has Herbie on a lot. Uh, listened to just a small portion of one he did. Uh, with Urban Meyer, and so I'd, I rate that as pretty well connected. And um, I, I was probably going to work in a joke somewhere along the line that that, that he is what I want to be when I grow up, um, just a, a reservoir of knowledge about the the, the program, past games, past experiences, um, and uh, and then connected, uh, able to have uh, those types of guests on his shows, uh, just phenomenal. And so. Um, I think he would have some incredible insight around some of these topics. That's uh, uh, that's where I was going with sort of that rant. I was going to talk about the uh, defensive front seven, and I probably was even a kid that when we think about defense, typically you start defensive line and you work back. Uh, and I was specifically starting in the secondary because I think that's where a lot of uh, the Alabama attack will go. And so I was going to sort of uh, make a joke that I'm going to work out in instead of in out, um, you know, front to back, back to front. Uh, but I was going to talk about the front seven, and and I was so a little more wide open. But I was going to ask who should Alabama fans watch for, and I, I suspect he was going to talk about Tough Borland, one of the linebackers. I think I think he's one of the leading tacklers on the team. Uh, defensive tackle Tommy, and I, I'm going to pronounce mispronounce this, but it's I think uh, Togini, uh, Togini, uh, defense big defensive tackle uh, Haskell Garrett. Is that not a Ohio State name? Uh, they had a Haskins quarterback. They've got a receiver named Garrett, and so they've got a tackle named Haskell Garrett. I thought that's just the most Ohio State name ever. Um, uh, and so, uh, but I think he's a he's a big uh, high motor guy. And then they have a defensive end, Jonathan Cooper, which is a, so considering they had a head coach named John Cooper. Uh, that's another Ohio State uh, style name. And so that, that that was great. But I, I suspect those are the guys that he would talk about up front. Uh, I do think this may be one of the better defensive fronts that Alabama has seen. So I, I do think that's something we need to watch out for. And then if he didn't bring up Justin Hilliard, I was going to bring up Justin Hilliard uh, and just say, well, he must be everyone's sort of fan favorite. Why don't you, you know, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, sort of the Justin Hilliard story. And uh, Justin is a sixth-year linebacker, uh, not not probably too dissimilar from our Josh McMillan, right? Uh, he's a sixth-year uh, linebacker. He is starting. Uh, uh, our guy, our um, um, our guy's not. Uh, he uh, he's starting. He has had multiple um, 
he's had multiple season ending, ending injuries. He has ruptured both biceps uh, separately uh, and then had an Achilles uh, injury as well. And he, you know, as, you know, as people do, especially with the COVID season, he's asked, uh, hey, are you going to come back and play a seventh season uh, at Ohio State? And I thought, I thought his comment was, uh, uh, was pretty interesting. Uh, Justin said, you know, I'm preparing. This is my last game. He said, physically, I don't know that my body has anything more to give <laughs> Ohio State football. And I thought that was, that was pretty neat. Uh, but apparently he's, he's a guy that's been around the program, uh, has really gone through some adversity. Uh, there was a neat article that I read that said, you know, um, when he committed, so he's in his sixth year when he committed as either a junior or senior in high school, whenever, whenever it was, he was a five star. There was another five star that recruit that, that committed on the same day. So it was kind of one of those historical uh, committed commitment days that we would remember too. And, uh, and, and, and to sort of tie to sort of wrap some thought around that, they said that at the time that that happened, here are other things that were true. And they talked about guys that are on the team, where they were in life when Justin Hilliard uh, committed to the team. And I'm not going to remember all the, all the details, but uh, a couple of guys were, you know, young in, in high school. And then the Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, he's a freshman. uh, They said he was between his seventh and eighth grade year um, when it, what is now a teammate <laughs> uh, committed to Ohio State. So I thought that was interesting. Sort of puts in perspective. Uh, and then it does make you tip your cap. Guy's going through quite a lot. And uh, and here he is. Uh, here he is with, with an opportunity to play again for the national title. I'm not rooting that he wins it, but uh, definitely a guy that uh, that you can, you know, have some empathy for and uh, uh, in, in that regard. So, uh, and I was looking forward to any sort of commentary that, that he might provide uh, around that and then just other uh, other commentary around the, the front seven. I was going to ask, and again, this is sort of the bury the lead thing, uh, but I, 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 I didn't want to sort of come out sort of flinging this, uh, but I wanted to get his take on the COVID stories. And, you know, at this point, we probably have a good conversation and I'd say, all right, so, you know, we can't we can't get out of here without talking about, you know, the COVID uh, stories. And so what's interesting is I read an article today on an Ohio State site and they referenced the COVID story. And and, and this is just perfect college football. Uh, Their story in their story, they specifically said a COVID story originating from Alabama. And then there was a link to the story and it was the same John Talty story that we've all read that was almost accusatory of Ohio state um, uh, sort of playing in the COVID thing. So I just thought that was funny that they pointed to that article and said <laughs> a story that originated in Alabama, like we're making this shit up. And um, I, and I was going to, you know, hopefully have some fun conversation with that. But uh, although that was funny, I thought, yeah, let's, you know, somewhere along the line, we deserve that. And that's just kind of how college football goes and writing for college football. Uh, it's so insular um, who, who you're writing for. And so what you write relative to who you're writing for. Uh, so I got a kick out of that. The last thing that I was going to ask him about is, uh, you know, I was going to, I wanted to ask him about Ryan Day and specifically Ryan Day replacing Urban Meyer. And, uh, you know, I was going to say, you know, again, it, it, 
it sucks to s- sort of set up a joke rather than just let it go. But uh, I, I, you know, I was going to say th- something to the effect that, you know, you know, rumor has it that coach Saban will be stepping down uh, at some point, uh, hopefully not soon, but you know, that that's going to be a, a hard transition and the Ryan day to urban Meyer um, theoretically is a similarly hard transition. It's a legendary coach that's stepping down. And so, and then the whole sort of acts about, you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy, yada, yada. And the, the transition to Ryan day has, has looked easy. It's looked almost too easy. Um, like when's the bottom going to fall out of this? It looks, it looks like that. Um, and, um, and so I wanted to sort of get his perspective on that. Like, how did they do it sort of jokingly, but like, really, what, what, what was the mechanic that was in place, uh, to, to make that happen? And what did you look for? What did you see or notice or look for sort of along the way as they were leading up to the transition, as they were affecting the transition, sort of post-transition? What did you look for? What were sort of the milestones that uh, you saw sort of along the way that, that sort of gave you confidence that, hey, this is going to work? And, and, and I'm very serious about that because I think that, you know, Saban is masterful in researching and t- talking to people, learning, sort of developing. Uh, there was even a quote or something. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher it, uh, but there was something just recently that was that was put out. And and you know, Saban said everything that he does, everything that he's doing, he's repurposed from someone else. Uh, and and some of it he's evolved, some of it he's changed, some of it he's whatever. But you know, he you know he basically said, I haven't made any of this stuff up. I am repurposing it from other people, whatever the quote went. And so you think with that mindset and you see such a smooth transition and you know Saban's going to want to do it right and he's going to want to leave the program as healthy uh, as he can uh, and in good hands when he transitions. I just wonder if he and Urban, I don't know what their relationship is, uh, but I wonder if they have a conversation uh, at some point about that. And I guess he probably needs to be careful doing that because, you know, you don't want Urban sort of leaking stuff. But um about timing, but uh, in terms of the how, I just think, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just impressed with how that transition has taken place uh, at Ohio State, and uh, I was going to sort of pick his his thought, thought press on that. And then I think if I hadn't worked it in already, I didn't have it specifically as a question, but I've had it sort of in my reservoir, uh, and I've thought about this multiple times during the season, before the season. It has influenced a lot that I've done this season. Uh, My preseason, if I was a little over the top uh, in some of my preseason stuff, um, it turns out I wasn't wrong. uh, But if I was a little over the top, and I think I've talked about this in in maybe some of the Zoom calls, but there was something that I saw in the preseason, even before we knew that there was going to be a season. And uh, and it was Rodney Orr on Tider Insider he posted something that really just sort of lit a fire under me and said, you know, to the effect that if there's no season, then this is the last time we've seen these players suit up and play at Alabama. And it was, and it was all the guys that, that were in love with. It was Najee, it was Devontae, it was Mac, it was Leatherwood. It was, it was Landon. Uh, it was, it, it was all of these guys. Right. And it was certain and, and, and I looked at that list. I remember looking at that list, and, and this was July-ish. I remember looking at that list saying, 
and it was 10 players. I remember it being, I remember that specifically, it was 10 players. And I remember looking at it and saying, that's a list of players that can win a national title. And, and I had this, this sort of this visceral sort of, oh no, like, like slipping out of my hands. If we don't get to see these guys play, then we are missing a potential national title. And I, and I let that sort of, and, and so that's where I got the idea that, that we're going to go through this season. We're going to make it look easy because if these guys get to play when it was, when they came back and most of them could have gone pro. So they came back for, with some intention and then they almost lost that. And now they get it back. Has there ever been a group that's been as motivated as this? And so that's sort of, that's, that's been sort of my internal sort of drumbeat this season. And then we see the awards, holy shit, uh, how the team has sort of panned out. And I think if there's another fan base, and and probably most of you can identify with something similar to that with this Alabama team. If there's been another fan base, and I wasn't sure it wasn't a question on my list because I'm not sure how you distill this down to you know eight-word question. But if there's another fan base that had a similar sense of these guys won't come back and they are as talented a group as maybe we've seen in a minute. If we don't get them to play, then we may be losing out on a chance to win a national title. If there's another team that feels that in a way that approximates how we feel it, it's Ohio state. And you can, you can say, you can say Clemson, but that's largely because of Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that there's a list of eight or nine or 12 guys that you would put on that list. Like I think you would with Ohio state, like I think you do with Alabama. And so, um, and you know, the fact that those are the top three teams, probably no surprise. Um, and so anyways, I was going to sort of, I was going to figure out how to work that in because I think that's a hell of a topic. Um, and I know that I've had fun sort of layering that backdrop into a lot of the podcasts, a lot of the Zoom calls, a lot of the preseason stuff. Um, and it's sort of been a motivating drive for me. And when we see things happen, it's like, yes, that's, you know, when you hear me say, this is what we're expecting, this is, it's happening, uh, then that's been fueled by that. So I wanted to get sort of another team's perspective on that same point if, you know, if indeed they felt the same way. So I've kind of rambled on that. And so this is going to be quick and short and it's been anything but, uh, but that, that harder, that last one was harder to sort of, just uh, sort of wrap up. And so here we are at 30 minutes. The interview itself probably would have been shorter than that. Uh, but uh, anyways, we, we know what we do. Uh, we know how it is when I get on a roll. So, so there you have it. That was the non-interview edition of the, of the uh, Ohio State pregame. I am really going to effort to, uh, so I'm going to keep my notes, not throw them out. Uh, I'm going to keep my notes and I'm really going to effort to get that interview uh, back on so that you can hear all of those questions again, uh, but someone else answer them besides me. So uh, we'll, we'll go with that. In the meantime, hey, you know what to do. Come on, come on, roll tide.